0: Welcome to the third episode of our four episode series, Lessons from the 2022 Proxy Season, part of Essency Critical Insights. In this episode, Mark Trevino and Melissa Sawyer, co-heads of Essency's corporate governance practice, explore trends in social and political proposals, including proposals from so-called anti-ESG proponents? So let's dive right in. Let's talk about social and political proposals. And as I said, we've seen big growth in this category and in a subset of this category in particular. So civil rights, human rights, and racial equity impact related proposals went up 81%. So that has clearly been an area of focus for proponents. I want to talk about the distinction between racial equity audit proposals and civil rights audit proposals. They have some things in common, but I think if you think of it as a Venn diagram, the racial equity audit proposals are sort of the small circle that sits within the much larger circle of civil rights audit proposals, which cover not just racial equity issues, but also touch on things like gender equality, pay equity, and human rights impacts, Big growth in all of these categories, and in both categories, the SEC rejected every single no action request that was submitted. So the story here is that if you get one of these proposals, you should plan to either have it voted or you're going to need to negotiate a withdrawal, but you're not going to get the SEC in all likelihood to give you no action relief to exclude the proposal from your proxy statement. We did see some relatively high rates of withdrawal on the racial equity audit proposals from companies that did agree to perform some form of the audit. But equally, many of them were voted on and shareholder support varied across a wide range, all the way from 18% to 64%. So we saw three of those proposals actually passed. In the civil rights audit proposal category, We also saw some of what we call anti-ESG proposals from proponents, for example, seeking reports about topics like ideological diversity on boards. Again, we saw variability in how many of these passed. We saw four pass, with the highest support level being 62% for the civil rights audit proposals. Another category of social political proposals are human capital management related proposals. And in prior years, this category was largely taken up by DEI related proposals. This year, we saw a lot more specific proposals around things like workplace characteristics, harassment, inadequate paid sick leave, employee health and safety issues, A lot of these proposals, I think, thematically tied to stories that were playing out in the media more generally around unionization at warehouses and things like that. And there were quite a few proposals relating to the use of concealment clauses, which we heard about in the last presidential election and have become a topic that has drawn quite a lot of focus as well. We did also start to see some proposals related to reproductive rights, a little bit in the wake of the Dobbs decision. And I think that that is probably a precursor to a theme that we'll see more of in 2023, with companies receiving proposals, asking them to report on how they're handling those issues and how they sort of tie that to their business purposes. So with that, let me turn it over to, I think Mark is going to talk about political spending.
1: So yes, I'm going to talk about political spending a little bit. Compared to the other categories in ESP, political proposals have had the greatest level of year-over-year consistency, both in terms of total numbers, in focal issues, in target companies, and result, in each case over the last decade, following the Supreme Court's 2010 Citizens United decision, and focusing on transparent disclosure, of political spending, and, and lobbying. This year, there were 20 new ESP linked political proposals, which asked companies to assess alignment between their stated company values and their political spending. These new congruency proposals typically contrast the public company statements in support of, for example, reproductive rights or climate change with records on political contributions to candidates who might oppose these efforts. Companies settle many of these, 10 went to a vote, and received relatively high support, between 30 and 50%. I think in the coming year, I would expect to see an increase in these proposals, and perhaps also in their granularity or targeting. I think that proponents on both sides of the Dobbs debate are likely to make congruency proposals related to reproductive rights a focal point for this year. An exception to the general story on the success or relatively success of congruency proposals was a proposal by the National Center for Public Policy Research Advisor, which received only 10%. And that was an example of the increase in anti ESG proposals this year the NCPPR continued to be one of the most prolific so-called anti-ESG proponents. And for this purpose, we use that with respect to any entities that are identified as expressing concerns with commonly used environmental, social, and governance investment criteria. And as I said, we saw a more than doubling of so-called anti-ESG proposals in the past season. From 25 to 54. And I think this is a function of how, unfortunately, for our public companies, the annual meeting process has become one for dialogue between shareholders on issues that may only tangentially relate to the company. And you see this repeatedly. In addition to the NCPPR, we have the National Legal and Policy Center, which submitted a meeting number of proposals for the first time this year, including around ideological board diversity and the use of child labor in electric vehicles. And with the rise and change in these proposals, you saw for the first time this year the significance that a proponent's policy agenda can have to a voting outcome, even if the proposal itself on its face is relatively neutral. So for example, of the 17 civil rights audit proposals that were submitted, nine were brought by the NCPPR. Shareholder support, ESP proponents, ranged up to almost 62%, while the NCPPR's civil rights proposals were very similar. But they did note that they didn't want companies to compound the error um, with bias by relying only on left-leaning organizations. And that support, which looked on its face very similar, I think capped out at a high of 4%. At one company, very similar proposals, a racial equity proposal by a a pro-ESP proponent and a civil rights audit proposal by the NCPPR, and those proponents had a different outcome of 60%. For institutional investors, I think it was a difficult time this year distinguishing these proposals. And understanding in some cases that the message they might send by supporting a proposal that was spatially neutral could be different because of the policy agenda of the proponent. And so, as you enter the new season, I think it is important to keep that in mind and make it easy for your investors to understand who is proposing if it is meaningful to them. I think, just as an aside, uh, companies were also much more successful in excluding anti-ESG proposals, including on ordinary business grounds with the SEC, than with respect to the normal pro-ESG proposals. I don't know that we necessarily think that that's the right policy outcome, but it's something that you should be aware as you look at new proposals and are thinking about whether even with the lower likelihood of success, you might wanna put in a no action letter.
0: Thank you for listening to S&C Critical Insights. For more information about Essences' coverage of the 2022 proxy season, please visit us on the web at www.solcrom.com.